Welcome everyone to the inaugural edition of Happy to Fail, a podcast where we hope to break the stigma associated with people living with mental health challenges because we know for a fact that throughout the nation, so many people have problems, challenges related to mental health and are often bullied, signaled out, they're pushed out of the way because they're deemed like this, this special case in society that people just do not want to work with. And I know that for a fact as a person living with mental health challenges since I was six years old. And in this podcast, we're going to be breaking. We're going to be defying the odds, defying the expectations that people living with mental health challenges can't live healthy, normal and productive lives. And happy to fail, I'm gonna be sharing personal events, personal journals, chapters of my life, if you will, that not only did I live through, but I was able to overcome them. And I'm gonna share that with each and every one of you with the specific goal of motivating others to seek help. Because I know that from the moment that you have the, the possibility, there's that little thought in your head that lets you know, you know what? Maybe I do have a mental health challenge. I know it can be really scary. I know that it's a lot easier to sometimes just leave that under the table and hope it goes away. Hope that depression, bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and so many different challenges. I know we hope that they sometimes just magically go away. But the most important thing that matters is that people want to help you. People have services out there that can really make a big impact in your lives. And you can expect to listen to a brand new episode each and every Monday because I know that if you're like me, you sometimes have a case of the Mondays, that if you were in traffic, you and I could just hang out for just a little bit. And I know that you're probably asking yourself now, so who am I listening to? Because the traffic's not going away. My name is Juan Velascourt. I am from Puerto Rico. And above anything else that I can say, I am simply put a person that has overcome so many odds and challenges in my life that I feel like, hey, Let's hit the record button, let's have a microphone, and let's motivate and try to change the world. But I'm not gonna be doing it by myself, we're gonna be doing it together. I've also been certified as a peer specialist, so I provide direct support services based on my lived experience. I've been able to fortunately travel all over the nation to over 20 different states, sharing my story, hearing other incredible, amazing stories that let me know, hey, I'm going through this right now, but look at that person. Look at everything that that person overcame, and if they did it, I sure can as well. This show is not meant to replace emotional support or any kind of related service. Happy to Fail is an audio journal about my personal story, so you and I can motivate each other for a better future. But if you are in need of help, if you're at an emotional risk, please don't be afraid to contact the National Suicide Prevention Line at one 800 273 8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. And if you're like me and you live in Puerto Rico, you can contact AMSCA's 24-7 crisis line, known as Linea Paz, at 1-800-981-0023. We can check off that you know who I am, you know when the show's going to be available, and the next question you can have is, why in the hell is this called Happy to Fail? Because there can be other positive names, other, other things that you can name this, but as I sit here right now, I'm a married man. I love my mother, and I probably support her. I have a car debt, which I hope to pay off uh, this December, so you know, cross your fingers, and let's hope that happens. I have a job that I love doing, but being perfectly honest, I never thought any of that would be possible because 
as I grew up, six years old. I'll never forget it. I was having a pretty good time. My parents were divorced, but sometimes we would go to these activities just like every other normal family. But then one weekend later, I had another activity that we were going to be going to. And, you know, I was this little kid. I was a little bit on the chubby side, but I had me a a long-sleeved navy blue shirt. I had uh, black pair of pants. And I put the same things on, but something happened. To me, I was just telling myself, this doesn't fit, just something doesn't feel quite right. But I knew it was fine because just one week had gone by since I previously worn these pair of clothes. And it wasn't just that. It was the, the, the thought process of, well, if I go to the activity and I wear this, people are going to bully me. They're, they're going to think I'm fat. They're going to think this and that. Yet I knew that the people that I was going to see were loving, caring, and supporting, uh, supportive people whether they were family or whatever. So my, my thoughts, in contrast to the actual actions that would occur, just made no sense at all. I went into a big anxiety attack and all these things, and it wasn't up until I was nine years old. So remember, I just said that at six years old, I knew something was going on. My mother knew that something was going on, but it wasn't up until a couple of years later that I found out that my diagnoses were as follows. So here's the list. Number one, I had depression. Uh, Number two, I had generalized anxiety. And then number three, I suffered from obsessive compulsive disorder, which I believe is one of the diagnoses that uh, people often misunderstand. I think that when we talk about that and bipolar disorder, so many people have commercialized that, uh, uh, social mediaized that, where it's become a normal thing to say, oh, I'm OCD because I like to do that too. I'm, I'm that clean and neat person. And obsessive compulsive disorder, ladies and gentlemen, is not about that. Now, as I mentioned, this show is not meant to replace psychological, psychiatric support. There are incredible podcasts out there that are uh, hosted by clinical staff, and you should definitely subscribe to them. So whenever I talk about a diagnosis of any kind, I'm saying it from experience. I'm going to speak about those because I lived through those and I know what that's like. I know the frustration that comes with being diagnosed with that. So let's let's take it back. So at nine years old, I was diagnosed, right? That happened. But in those years between, I started having all of these intrusive thoughts. I know that now to me, it's just like these thoughts that wouldn't go away. But yeah, they're called intrusive thoughts. So I could be talking to somebody, I could be talking to a friend at school, I could be talking to my mother, my brother, and in my head, even though we could be having the best time ever, we could be having an awesome time, my thought process was, what if he dies tomorrow? What if she dies tomorrow? What if your mom drops you off at school, but then when she leaves, she's going to be in a car crash, you're not going to find out, because remember, I'm 29, so... Cell phones were not exactly accessible back in the day. It's not like nowadays where every kid has a cell phone, but it was, okay, so she's going to crash and die, and then you're never going to get to the funeral, and then you're going to have to live with your father, even though you don't want to really live with him, and then who's going to pay for the funeral, and then what's going to happen to you? What does your future look like? And all of these intrusive, once again, unwanted thoughts will be spiraling out of control and all happening in the span of seconds where maybe a normal, 
I'm going to say a traditional human being could have these thought processes and go like, okay, that's ridiculous. Because it is. Because think about it. it. It is an unwanted thought. It doesn't make any sense. The more that I wanted it to go away, the stronger it became. So that is the obsessive part of obsessive compulsive disorder. On the flip side, there is the compulsion, which is I have this anxiety that is very much active right now. So what am I going to do about it? What I did in that case was uh, spit uncontrollably on the floor, on, on my clothing, in, including my, my clothing for school. So let's just say that as a chubby antisocial kid, all of a sudden spitting on my clothing, uh, it, it didn't make me the most wanted kid. I often got pulled away. I was by myself. And, and that was the thing. And then I would get home. And then obviously my mother would be like, hey, how, oh my goodness, what is that smell right now? To which I could smell as well. But the more I became aware of it, the more I started doing it. And that's because the obsession is the unwanted thought. And then the compulsion is what you do to reduce the anxiety. So if I have this thought about somebody dying, I would spit as a way to reduce that anxiety. So fast forward a couple of years later, because remember that each episode is going to be about a specific chapter in my life. Um, I just want to be able to give you uh, the, the extended 20 to 30 minute trailer. So you have a basic idea of what my life was like. Notice that I mentioned that my, my mother was divorced. So it was around this time that she started to tell my father, hey, you know, this is going on. And let's just say, because I want to save uh, one specific episode to talk about that human being, that my life would have changed dramatically had I have gotten my father's support. Yeah, I was diagnosed with uh, those three things. That's cool and neat. But I think another topic that I got to talk about down the line is trauma. Because my father emotionally and physically abused me to the point that if I was bad, I was worse. It was that when those things happened, they traumatized me in such a way that I just kept those thoughts to myself. I kept the compulsions down. I, I made them go away. So on a 24-7 life cycle, I was always having these thoughts and they would never go away. They would always be there. I got to be very thankful for the person that diagnosed me at the end because even though that happened when I was nine, during that process, my mother did start going to mental health professionals because uh, the, the schools didn't want me. Nobody wanted me. The first professional told my mother that I was mentally challenged because I spoke a little weird and it was because my, my thoughts were so active that I would stutter a lot, even to this day. And this is going to happen uh, throughout the podcast and uh, I may want to edit that out at some point. Even this initial episode, I did the opening statement like five or six times, but that's part of it, you know? When your anxiety is under control, things are cool. I'm cool, calm, collected. But when the anxiety is active, you'll see I'll start to move a lot. I'll start to blink a lot more. But you know what? This is who I am. Nobody asked me like, okay, oh, we can go see a movie and we can watch this movie. You can get this to eat. And then you're going to get a little bit of OCD and anxiety on the side because you want that, right? Nobody asked me to suffer and live with these mental health conditions, just like nobody asked to suffer from cancer, just like nobody asked to become diabetic, you know, depending on the, the, the type of uh, diabetes that you have. 
the fact of the matter is that we have these situations and we either work with them or we don't. So the second professional that we visited told my mother the following, uh, that my mother was not being hard enough on me and then that she just needed to be a stronger mother. And I mean, at, that, at this point, she was missing uh, work. She was always getting late to work. I was already uh, consistently absent from school because uh, either I would get there late because the problems with the clothes that I mentioned earlier spiraled out of control. So it was that the sneakers were too tight. They were too loose. The pants were too tight. They were too loose. The socks were not stretched out enough. And when I say that, that it's something like a belt, for example, was not tight enough, you may think to yourself, okay, Juan, you're a chubby kid, so just, you know, like just, just buckle up a little bit more. I got to the point where I poked so many holes in my belt that my waist would be purple. And I'm not talking like, like light purple. As I see a building right here in Puerto Rico right now, it's going to be that kind of purple. It's like the, this deep, dark purple. And uh, it was like that with everything, with my shoes, my sneakers. So I began developing uh, circulation problems because, well, guess what? You put things too tightly into your body, eventually your body starts uh, not functioning, not, not functioning, I, sh I should say, as it could. So in school, you can imagine the bullying that began to happen when here's this chubby kid that has uh, the pants so tight that you can see the overlap, you know, with the shirt. And that bullying only let me to eat more and have more compulsive and obsessive uh, thoughts and processes and things like that to the point that I went from uh, school to school to eventually no school. And I'll be talking about the process that I'm going to mention here briefly, which is that one of the things that helped me was that I was hospitalized in Wisconsin. I'm going to be forever grateful for everybody that helped me over there because by the time I was diagnosed, I was so messed up because there's no pretty way to put it. I began being physically aggressive to my mother, to everybody, because I was tired talking about that stigma that I mentioned at the, at the very opening of the show. I was so tired of people talking about me, but not with me. Like, you know, you can be in a, in a waiting room and everybody's just pointing at you because, because you're just a little kid. You can't, you can't be open about your process. You can't have any participation in the decision-making processes of your treatment. Yet here I am knowing like I'm the person living through this. I know what it's like to live with this. You don't, yet here you are making decisions about me. I can tell you what's in my head. So because I got so tired of that, I just told myself, well, if the good way is not happening, where I'm just this cute little chubby kid in the corner, well, guess what? I'm going to be the bad guy. I'm going to be the bad kid that's going to tell everybody to F off. I'm going to become everybody's enemy to my mother, to everybody, to the point that when I first visited that last psychiatrist that finally gave me the proper diagnosis so I could get the proper treatment, the first thing that I did is uh, I said a lot of words that I will not say on the show, but then afterwards, I just literally walked off. That is exactly what I did. But eventually, they were able to convince my mother and I to travel to Wisconsin. I was hospitalized for three months there. And uh, I had been off of school for over a year at this point. So just think about the, all of the things that this 9 to 10, 11-year-old, like those years are so fussy that I forgot I even knew how to play violin. It's crazy going back to the topic of trauma. 
when you live such a traumatizing life, your mind just blocks everything out. And it wasn't up until I reached 20, 21 years old that I began to remember these different things that happened throughout my life. The reason that this show is called Happy to Fail is that after receiving treatment in Wisconsin, we come back to Puerto Rico, actually felt fine. Not only was the treatment successful, I developed an incredible relationship to my, with my mother because we became friends. We, we became survivors. Nobody supported us except ourselves. Come back to Puerto Rico, went back to the bowling, went back to my father not understanding what was going on, went back to the rest of the family not understanding. All those habits that I worked so hard to get rid of, they were back. But worse yet, I had the tools. I knew what was going on in my head, yet society didn't care. I was just the crazy kid. So what did I tell myself? Uh, this must have been at around 14 years old. I remember at this point my mother had lost her job. She had lost her friends. She uh, developed an organization where she started supporting other people with uh, peer-to-peer support and things like that. But I remember one day I was in my room, which you could look from my room towards the kitchen of the house. And my mother sustained, uh, I'm getting a little bit more emotional than I thought at this part, but she sustained us, including my medication, which was $500 a month. I'll say it again, even though nowadays it's probably even worse, $500 a month. She sustained our home by baking, you know, uh, uh, cheese rolls, jelly rolls and things like that and selling them. Looking back, I can't even possibly fathom the, the survival instincts that just got triggered by the fact that she's a mother that wants to take care of her child. I just looked at that and, and, I, and I asked myself, is this what you want for your mother? Like, look at her. She is literally spending her entire life trying to help you. Yet, you don't see a future for yourself. So many people told me that I was going to amount to nothing, that I began to believe that lie. And it was at that moment that I told myself, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set a goal here. I'm going to give this uh, life thing a try. I'm going to try it out just for her. But if it doesn't work, I'm going to commit suicide at 23 years old. Now, don't ask me why I chose 23. I, I really don't know. It's something that I've always contemplated, just like... Uh, was there a number? Was there a television commercial? But something just told me, round it up, give me about a decade. If this doesn't work, just end it. And uh, she's going to cry a little bit, but she won't have to take care of you anymore. And that's just messed up now. Because even though I failed at succeeding that goal, henceforth, happy to fail... You that is listening to me right now have either heard or have a loved one. Maybe you've thought about it yourself. Maybe you went to social media and you saw that where I failed at taking my own life at 23 years of age, other people succeeded. And that's why this show exists. Because I know that with that discrimination, with that stigma associated with mental health challenges, 
being open about your story can lead to some consequences. People can look at me on the street and say like, hey, you're a Juan Velas court. I listen to your podcast. You're the crazy person. Awesome. That can happen. It's already happened. Even as a kid, I would open up about my story in radio, short films, uh, interviews, and things like that because I got so sick of being tired of being told to stay quiet about mental health that I just told myself, you know what, I'm going to tell the world because if me telling my story can motivate one person to finally seek support, to finally make a change in their lives, and to finally get their family members and their loved ones to understand that this isn't a thing we chose to live with. This is something that was bestowed upon us whether we wanted it or not. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why this show is called Happy to Fail because at 29 years old, I want to continue failing at that goal that I set myself at committing suicide at 23 years of age. That's not to say I never attempted suicide beforehand. I actually did on three occasions when I was a kid and when I was an an adolescent. And I'm not going to get to the juicy details of how that came to be. And you know why? That's not what this show is all about. This show is not about the problems. It's about the solutions. It's about the, the trials and the challenges that happen in that process that eventually made me realize, hey, I can, I can do something with my life. I can help people. I can motivate others through my experience. And just like I'm doing it, thousands, dare I say millions of people around the world are doing pretty awesome things for other people. So if you're excited, if you're interested in, 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 in engaging in this journey with me, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the uh, podcast feed of your preference. Most importantly, commit to yourself the way that you, you commit to a subscribe button. Commit to changes in your life because whether you're listening to this because you yourself are going through something or you have a loved one that's going through something or honestly, you saw the thumbnail or this became a recommended video and you wanted to check it out. Whatever the case, you can be better each and every day. And we're going to be talking about that right here. I do want to talk about the next episode. The upcoming episode is going to be about patient and the term of being called a patient. I want to make sure that the first three to five episodes lay the groundwork for everything else that we're going to be talking about. Because believe me, I have about 14 episodes written out and many more that are going to be told uh, as time goes by. And some of them are so embarrassing that even just thinking about them right now, I'm cringing. But because people, we got to have all sorts of emotions. I don't want to have this show end with people crying every single time. I, I want you to laugh. I want you to cry. I want you to cry from laughing so much. But most of all, I want us to learn from one another. So the next episode is going to be focused on exactly that, which is the term, the patient how I lived through that, how I felt when people not just called me a patient, but they treated me like a patient. And I'm obviously not talking about this in a good way. The other thing is that I want to leave you, uh, I want to leave you with a little something to check out. So or the recommended resource for this episode, I'm going to make sure that I always close off the episodes with a recommended resource. And this one's going to be a little bit more educational. The state of mental health in America in 2018, because 
When you go to mentalhealthamerica.net or just look up the state of mental health in America 2018 on Google, you'll see some uh, statistics. One of them is as follows. Youth mental health is worsening. Rates of youth with severe depression increased from 5.9% in 2012 to 8.2% in 2015. So imagine what that is like now. Even with severe depression, 76% of youth are left with no or insufficient treatment because those are numbers based on people that have at some point received services or they've been open about that. Think about all the youth and maybe yourself included, that hasn't been open about it. The other one, one in five adults have a mental health condition, and this has been a fairly um, generalized or mainstream opinion, or or not not opinion, actually, uh, just a fact that's been revealed. That's over 40 million Americans, more than the population of New York and Florida combined. People, we got to do something. We... It's not, a, it's not up to a faith-based communities. It's not up to the government. It's not up to you. It's not up to me. It's up to everybody. Everybody has the potential to do something, and hopefully, through Happy to Fell, we can make something happen. So if you'd like to reach out, if you'd like to contact me, I am available on most social media. If you'd like to check out some food pictures, I am on Instagram through my full name, Juan Velez Court. That's V-E-L-E-Z-C-O-U-R-T. You can also send me an email to Juan at HappyToFail.com. Happy to fail on a Twitter and Facebook. So that's where I'm going to be updating clips, uh, where I'm going to be posting clips, I should say. So if you hear this, if you listen to this, if you watch this, and you think this could help somebody out, Share a clip, share an episode. That's what this is all about. So with that being said, thank you for watching, listening, supporting. Remember that we can always be better. We got to leave that comfort zone every now and then. And I know it's a little bit scary to do so. But when we do, the results are pretty darn awesome. So thank you for watching and listening. And up until next time. Never forget that there's always a road to recovery. We can get there together, people. Take care.